In a house full of boys, uh, we are continually swimming in a sea of testosterone. <laughs> and there's nothing but just competitive nature just flowing out of the kids all the time. They fight with each other, they compete with one another, they want to be better than the other. And especially as my two older boys get older, that is turned to me. They want to be bigger and better and tougher than dad. They want to be faster. They want to be better at sports, which we all know that's not happening. But anyway, you know, I, I'm not competitive though. I don't know where they get it from. But the truth is, is that those two older boys, as they get older and Luke has passed me in height and Daniel is quickly catching up with me, they just can't believe that I could ever compete with them in sports. And I try to tell them, it's like, look, I'm 43 years old. I don't work out like I should. I'm way busy and got too many things going on. And I still compete with them. I still play ball. I still, you know, whenever I get a chance I, and I do okay. If I got in shape, there's just no contest, right? You all know that. You all agree with me. I see you nodding your head. I see you agreeing with me. But hey, but here's the thing. We all know that feeling of somebody trying to knock us off of a place that we feel like we've earned, to knock us off of our position and knock us off of our place of respect. And with my boys, it's normally all in good fun and we have a good time laughing and joke about it. And I love to see them grow. I love to see them get better and stronger and faster. And I love to see them succeed in whatever they attempt, whether it's sports or whatever kind of uh, intellectual pursuit or talents or hobbies or anything that they do, I'm proud of them. But we all know that there are certain things in life that the competition is very real. And there's always been competition for the place of God in this world. Throughout this sermon series, we've talked about names. The series has been called Hello My Name Is, and we've spent many weeks during quarantine especially talking about the different names of God. And even though God has shown himself throughout scripture to be all powerful, to be a loving, caring God who provides and sacrifices and you, you fill in the blank and we've sort of covered that name. And the truth is, even though we covered so many names over so many weeks, there are still names that we haven't even touched on and we're not going to touch on. But yet still there are people who try to, or there are other gods that aren't even real that try to compete and put themselves in the place of God or people try to put them in the place of God. And even with all these names of God showing his greatness and reminding us of what he's done, there's always competition. Throughout time, there have always been challengers to his power and his position. If you go back in the Old Testament, you have gods like Baal, Asherah that we've learned about, the Egyptian god Ra, you have Muhammad, Buddha, and then even humanism. And ultimately, if you get a little more specific and real, you and me. We've tried to be God, whether we claim to be God or not. We've tried to be the commander and ruler and Lord of our lives. Throughout time, people have done that. Not just you and I, but every single person in one way or another has tried to be the God of their own life. And as we talk about names and we wind up this series, I'm reminded of the Lord of the Rings trilogy of movies and, and books that they're based on. It reminds me of that one ring to rule them all. The name that we're going to talk about today is the one name that in many ways rules all the names that come and try to take the place of God Almighty. It's the name of Jesus, the powerful, wonderful name of Jesus. That name, Jesus, has changed literally everything. We believe that at our church, that Jesus changes everything, and I hope and pray you believe that today. And if not, we want to introduce you to that Jesus. But that name, Jesus, has literally changed history. The way that we tell time throughout history is based on the name and the birth and the time that Jesus lived. That name, Jesus, has changed calendars and history and medicine, whether you know it or not. 
early hospitals many, many years ago were started, most of them in the name of Jesus. And even education, most of our Ivy League schools that were some of the first educational institutions in this new world were started by believers in the name of Jesus. And many of them have lost their way, but that's where they were started. Jesus has always been the forefront of changing this world in positive ways through His church, through His believers. But what is it about the name of Jesus? What is it about that name that's so powerful, that's so strong, that makes such a difference? I want to take a look this morning, just after Jesus' death and His burial and His resurrection, and see the power that His name carried. You know, it's one thing to have impact while you're alive. And, and, you know, somebody who's really charismatic and does some pretty amazing things, they could get a good following while they're alive. But if they are put on a cross or they are put to death, and yet still, after they're gone, their impact grows even greater exponentially and, and covers the world, that says something about that person and their name and what they accomplished and who they are. And I want us to look at God's Word and see some of the impact that Jesus and His powerful name have had throughout centuries. Today, just for our study, we want to look at the early part of the book of Acts. We're going to look at the first few years right after Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, but then ascended back into heaven, and look at the early history of His believers, His church, and see the impact that His name made. What can we learn about Jesus and any of His contenders? The first thing we learn is this, there is power in the name of Jesus. We find a good example of this in Acts chapter 4 verse 13. And there's a few ways that we see His power carried out in His believers. The first one is this, His name has the power to change cowardice into courage. You see His followers when He was arrested, if you remember the Gospel accounts, when Jesus was arrested, every single one of His followers fled and hid in the darkness. Some followed off in the distance, but they didn't proudly say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. They were afraid, they were terrified, and they acted cowardly. Some exhibited great cowardice, while others just sort of tried to blend in to the scenery around them. They were not bold, excited men who were standing up for the cause of Christ. They were afraid. But just a short while later, everything changed. On the third day when Jesus rose from the grave and the apostles and then the other disciples saw the evidence that Jesus was alive, it changed everything. And these people, these men, especially these leaders of the church, the apostles who had been so cowardly and so afraid and hiding in the shadows, they, they busted out of the shadows and stood in the midst of Jerusalem, the place where Jesus had died just a few days before, and they proclaimed the name of Jesus because He was and is alive. It changed everything. His powerful name that even defeated death changed everything and turned cowards into courageous people. In Acts chapter 3, we see Peter and John heal a man who was lame and had been lame for many years. And when the crowd saw what had happened and took attention to this miracle they performed, they preached boldly in Jesus' name. And then when the leaders were confronting Peter and John because of the commotion that was going on in the town, they did not back down, they did not shy away, they still continued to claim and proclaim the name of Jesus. In Acts chapter 4 verse 13 it says, when the religious leaders saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. That's a beautiful thing. 
These men were changed and these women that were followers of Jesus, instead of hiding in the shadows, burst in to a courageous place in their lives because Jesus was and is alive. Acts chapter 5 verse 40 says, His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and they had, had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin. Listen to this. Rejoicing that they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name, the name of Jesus. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. You see, these apostles in this early church, they were so, so inspired by everything that Jesus had taught. But then the kicker was the fact that he had defeated death. He had died and rose again and had gone back into heaven and promised he was coming back. So they were, went from pers being persecuted to continuing to preach the name of Jesus because it was so powerful and so worthy of being shared. They were, they were rejoicing rejoicing that they were considered worthy of suffering for the name of Jesus. Does that sound like the modern church? Unfortunately, not often enough, myself included. I don't like the idea of suffering, but honestly, if we're going to be like Jesus, there's going to be times that we're going to suffer. We're going to have to take a stand when others won't, and we need to learn to realize that this world is not our home. And when we learn that, that we have a home that's waiting for us, that's greater than anything this world has to offer, then we can start to wrap our minds around the idea of rejoicing that we could be counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. It says they never stopped teaching or proclaiming the good news of Jesus. They said, yep, okay, sounds good, and they kept on preaching Jesus. His name has the power to change selfishness into sacrifice. Acts chapter 4 verse 32 beginning there says all the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own but they shared everything they had. With great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Did you hear that? It said that the name of Jesus so powerfully affected them, and His mission affected them so much that there were no needy people among them, that if they thought they could help, they went and sold something and gave the money to the church leaders so that it could be distributed to people who were in need within the church body. It tells us that they were one heart and mind. They thought alike. They cared about one another. They spent time together. And here's something that I've been realizing more and more, and it's like God's been teaching me um, this truth through this whole quarantine and pandemic, is that the church needs one another. We have to be spending time together, even though sometimes it may be virtually, online, digitally, but we're called to spend time together. So every opportunity we have to meet face-to-face -face in person, we need to take to encourage one another because we are building lives that are called to last for eternity, not just for a few years. We're not meant to just make this life better here right now. That's a byproduct of living for Jesus and preaching in His name and sharing the love of Jesus in His name. And the reality is, is that you can't communicate without being together, whether it be virtually or in person. If you want to be connected to the body and if you want to experience like-mindedness like we see in the early church where the world was being changed by the love of the church because of the power of Jesus Christ, then you have to be connected to the body. You can't stay distant and keep yourself at arm's length from people and, and turn them away when they reach out to you. 
and you've got to try to reach out to people. That's what we all are called to do. People won't know your needs if you don't tell them and you're not open to them reaching out to you. But when we live life together and we know each other's hearts and we trust one another, we can move from selfish to sacrificial. Not only is there power in the name of Jesus, there's healing in the name of Jesus. So we get the whole background for this. Peter and John heal a lame man and it causes this whole hubbub and this whole ruckus that goes on and the religious leaders come in. When they talk to the man himself and they're about to heal him, here's what they say in Acts chapter 3 verse 6. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but I, what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? We remember hearing that in the Gospels. But we understand that because Jesus lived there, that changes everything. Because even a little podunk place, the name of Jesus can turn into a powerhouse. When called to explain how they healed him, Peter and John told the religious leaders, verse 16, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through Him that has completely healed Him, as you can all see. It's a beautiful thing to understand that Jesus, His powerful name, can heal physically. It can heal spiritually and emotionally and mentally. Because Jesus doesn't just make selfish people into selfless people and cowards into courageous people. He makes hurt people into whole people, weak people into strong people. And He takes broken relationships and restores them. And He takes lonely people and makes them family. Because the powerful name of Jesus heals and brings healing. But there's also forgiveness in the name of Jesus. And we're working backwards as we look at this. We started in chapter 5 and we're working back to the beginning of the church where it all started on the day of Pentecost because a stream is most pure at its source and we see the full power of Jesus' name as it's unleashed for the very first time as the gospel's preached. Peter gets up and he preaches this powerful message and he closes with the fact, the powerful convicting truth that these people had killed Jesus, the Messiah who'd come to save them. They'd waited for thousands of years for this Messiah, and His name was Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, verse 36, He closes out His message, and He says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They finally believed in Jesus. They were cut to the heart, it says. They were terrified because they had faith in Jesus. They were lost and they knew it. And so they cried out, What shall we do? What are we going to do? Because we're going to stand in front of the almighty, powerful God, knowing we have the blood of His Son on our hands and on our head. What do we do? So he answered, repent and be baptized in Jesus' name for the forgiveness of your sins and receive the Holy Spirit. Once you're clean from your sin, you can have the Holy Spirit of God. And that's mind-blowing. But why does baptism into Jesus' name extend Christ's forgiveness to you and I? because there's salvation in the name of Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, if we sort of backtrack to where we were earlier, 
they said, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. No other name can give salvation other than the name of Jesus. So we have to tie it all together like this. If you want Jesus, it's Him and Him alone. It's not Jesus and, it's Jesus alone. Why? Because there's lordship in the name of Jesus. Philippians 2 verse 9 says, Therefore God exalted Him to the highest place and gave Him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. No matter what you think about the name of Jesus, it's above every name. He earned that right by bursting the grave wide open. You see, there are other people who have been teachers who claim that people should follow them, but after they died, their teaching might have continued a little bit. But no one else claims that they've left the grave alive. They died and came back to life. And Jesus alone deserves that power and that honor and that position because He defeated death and hell once and for all. And He's earned that right because at His name every knee will bow and every, name, every tongue will confess. But it's a matter of timing and the will. Because one day every knee will bow. But the beauty is, is if you choose to bend your knee now and you choose to confess Him as Lord now and obey what He says, you get the power, the healing, the forgiveness and salvation. But if you wait until it's too late, you still kneel, but you hear, depart from me. I never knew you. But if you choose Jesus now, you'll hear these words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. Because only Jesus is Lord. Only Jesus is Savior. And only Jesus can make you whole. If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and you haven't surrendered to that name, if you haven't bowed your heart and your mind and your choices and your thoughts to that name, and you haven't been made clean in baptism into the name of Jesus, and you haven't therefore received the Holy Spirit of God, today's the day that we can make that happen. We may be meeting digitally, but all you need to do is send us a message and we'll be right there and we'll help you get those things straight. We'll help you take the step that you need to take. If it's surrendering your life to Jesus, being baptized into Him, you can be clean today. You can be clean within the hour. You can be new and whole because Jesus' name is powerful and it speaks a better word over every other name that's ever existed. But have you bowed your knee to Him? Have you surrendered your everything to Him? Have you confessed that He alone is God and Lord and King? Are you ready to do that today? Let us know how we can help you, how we can pray for you. Because Jesus' name is the one that makes all the difference. Jesus changes everything.